So there goes the end of the winning streak. Syracuse comes a little bit back to reality with the loss to Virginia Tech. We'll break that down. There were a couple of positive things to take away from this, including Frank Anselm's performance. We'll discuss that. What could be ahead for Frank as well? And a couple of players just kind of getting back to the regression of things. We will dive into what went wrong in this Virginia Tech game. That is coming up next. You are locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome into a fresh week of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. I'm Tyler Rocky with Tim Leonard. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Had a nice little night on Bet Online last night, actually. So did I. Big Super Bowl. I, what, was, night. what was your big winner? Well, I was bummed because I had Odell Beckham MVP. That was my Ooh. big bet. And I was thinking, man. He was looking good, but he gets injured. I was mostly on the Rams, though, and then just hitting them live constantly when they were somehow. <laughs> I couldn't believe how how long it took them to take the lead in the second half, considering the the defensive line just dominated. Uh, yeah, I thought Aaron Bengals Donald got offensive. robbed for MVP. I don't know about you, but I, I certainly did. The way he played yeah. on that last drive was impeccable. It's hard because Cup was literally their entire offense on the last drive mm -hmm. as well. So yeah. I could see giving it to Donald. I could see giving it to Cup. They were clearly the two most important players. Yeah, I actually was sort of on the opposite end of you. I had Odell first touchdown. So that hit for oh, me pretty nice. big. So I was happy with that one. Anyway, back to Syracuse here. We thank you for making us your first listen every single day, free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. So subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube.com. All right. So Syracuse drops this one to Virginia Tech, 71 to 59. I just want to ask you uh, the first question here. And I get no Jesse. That's obviously going to be a sort of a, a big, it's a huge a hurdle that this team needs to get over yeah. right now. But did this game sort of feel like a reality check of, all right, this is who we've been playing the last couple of games. This is a real team now. Did this feel like a reality check game to you? Yes and no. And the reason why I say the no, I mean, yes, because it's a definitely a level of competition up. But the other thing is, I didn't really visualize the game going down this way, where Virginia Tech, they come out right out of the gates and they made three threes right off the bat from Couture. Deep ones, too. But yeah. And I was like, okay, this is how I see Syracuse losing today, mm -hmm. is the three-point ball being a problem. But you look at the final numbers. Virginia Tech, 8 for 27 from 3. That's 29%. You'll take that. And considering after the first three, I think they were, you know, 5 for 24 from that point on. Yeah, 1 for 9 there. in the second half. Like, yeah, I would have never guessed that. Yeah. And it's weird that more so than anything, it feels like the offense let Syracuse down in this game, especially when they cut the game to 1 and they were sort of out kicking their coverage just to be in the game, considering they didn't have Jesse. And we'll get to Frank, who was very solid in this game, rebounding and defensively. But I visualize Virginia Tech winning the game on three-point shooting, and that's not exactly how it went down. So, yes, it was a reality check, but also sort of a weird way to lose because more so the offense was the problem in the second half. I totally agree with you here. We talk about it a lot on this show and in years past. You need at least three productive offensive players and the thing about Syracuse this year is you've had games where you've got four or five productive offensive players in certain games. That's just the way that the offense has played this year. But for this one, you go out and you get two good quality offensive performances, one from Buddy, one from Joe. 
And that's not going to cut it with this team, especially with the way they play defensively. Albeit this wasn't, like you said, the worst defensive game they could have possibly played. Like you'll take this if you're Syracuse from a defensive standpoint, really, you would just expect your offense or, or you would require rather your offense to be getting you somewhere in the neighborhood of 75 to 80 points. And it just wasn't falling. I mean, Cole Swider kind of falls back to regression. Jimmy hits a couple early threes, but really doesn't do anything after that. Frank was, I mean, we'll talk about Frank a little bit more in depth in a little bit, but like this is, you couldn't ask for much more no. out of a backup yep. center here. Um, and, and then the bench just really a non-factor. They play a, a combined 14 of the 200 available minutes in this game. So it was certainly a regression. I think you could say you just look at the way that Syracuse has shot the ball and especially some certain individuals, the way that they shot the ball the last couple of games. And this game was bound to happen at some point. You could win a game if this was maybe against a Georgia tech or a BC and you play like this, but you're not going to beat Virginia tech on the road playing like this. Yeah, it felt like they got gassed in the second half, and we can talk about that more as we continue. But 10 for 27 from three overall is fine. That's 37%. That's what Syracuse shot. Jim Beheim brought up postgame how they only got to the line for four free throws. Virginia Tech had 21 free throws. He made it pretty clear that their game plan on defense was let's limit them beyond the three-point arc. Let's give them more high post stuff. Mutz has a triple-double. He was the guy in the middle facilitating, doing a lot of good stuff there. But it sounded like he was okay with giving up the interior and the high post because you kind of had to pick one of the two, whether it was three-point shooting or the interior. Mm -hmm. And then on offense, their game plan was to get to the basket and draw fouls. And it is sort of crazy how little Buddy is getting to the free throw line and how little calls he's getting. And that's another thing Jim Beheim brought up post-game. But also, this team's just not really good at getting to the basket and drawing fouls in general. And that's what we saw in the second half is Virginia Tech was not leaving the shooters, just as every team has done this year. Cole Swider has an off night. The forwards altogether really struggled offensively and defensively in the second half. And it becomes, all right, buddy, here's the ball. You do something or else we're SOL. You know, Mm -hmm. like we we can't do anything on offense. And that's the problem that we've seen here. So we've talked about a lot. But for a really good Syracuse offense that is top 15 nationally and Ken Palm, usually offensive efficiency, they – don't look good on a lot of nights and they score in the fifties on some nights. And you have the conversation of man, is the offense really that much worse than the defense some nights when it very clearly is over the course of the season, but it's still just odd. You look at buddy too. I mean, you're asking a lot for him as well to go out there on the road and in a game where you're trailing by 10 at half and you kind of need that kick in the ass in the second half to get going. It's tough to, when you've got guys who are not, living up to their offensive billing on the other end, whether it was Cole, whether it was Jimmy, I mean, the entirety of the bench didn't do anything pretty much in this game either. So it's a, it's a big ask. It's a tall ask for buddy. And listen, the the 21 points are nice, but he needs a running mate. Like we've talked about this with Jeff Goodman before we've talked about this between ourselves too, Buddy's a great player, but if he is going to be the best player on a good team, he needs some help. And there's not like, I think Buddy Beheim can be the best player on a tournament team. I mean, we saw it play out last year, obviously, but he can be the best player on a team that is a, a top eight seed, but he needs help. He needs a lot more help than this, that what he's getting and what he got in this game. Usually he does get it. Like I would say he gets it three out of every five nights. He's getting that maybe even four out of every five nights, but 
in, in games like this, you can't ask him to go out there and do it yourself when you're down 10 points at halftime. Yeah, I agree with you, but I would also say that most of the good Syracuse teams, they wouldn't have had Buddy Beheim taking That's true. I would shots. agree. You know, mm -hmm. like, if your best player is Buddy Beheim, you're probably a little bit limited. Can you be a good team, like you said, when you have Buddy as your number one? Yes, but not with the current foundation they have around him where Buddy is a little bit limited defensively. He is decent now at creating his own shot, but it's a problem when he is your best shot creator and he's kind of your only shot creator in a lot of these games. All right, we'll break down what we saw from Frank Anselm in this game. Also get into some of the bench production from uh, over the weekend as well. But first, Bet Online. It has you covered. You know, football may be over, but basketball is still in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. It remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Betonline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right to the latest Olympic coverage even, and information as well. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Frank Anselm showed a lot of heart in this game. Whenever you put up 15 rebounds, that, that a lot of it comes down to the heart that you're showing, especially when you were a backup. And I think Frank deserves a lot of credit from his performance for a couple of reasons. A, like, yeah, the stats look amazing, too, with 15. But he picks up, what was it, the, the two first half fouls as yeah. well. And then just picks up one the rest of the way. Learning to play while you're in foul trouble is something that's very difficult, especially for young centers that do not get a lot of playing time. And I don't really know how Frank did it, to be honest, either. Especially when you we talked about it, they were given um, the inside pretty much all game right. as well. And for Frank to go out there, and listen, he, he wasn't some sort of like elite rim protector in this game. I mean, Kevin Aluma still has his 20 points on pretty efficient shooting, but... At the same time, like you have to really, really like what you saw to Frank Anselm. This was a, a, a huge step in the right direction, I think, for his career and his development. And if you can find a way somehow next season to squeeze both Jesse and Frank on the court at the same time, A, you're going to put yourself at a tremendous rebounding advantage. B, the defense is certainly going to take a step up. And C, I mean, the athleticism and just in general what Syracuse needs out there on the floor is taking a good step in the right direction. It obviously isn't going to happen this year, whether Jesse got injured or not, all right? But if you can find a way, find a lineup next season that maybe can utilize both of them, you could find something on the defensive side of the basketball. Yeah, I think if Benny takes a step up, and we're getting into next year, which is kind of silly, but if he is an offensive playmaker next year, then I'm okay with the Benny, Frank, Jesse lineup because you just need a good amount of offense as well. And that is the difference between having Jesse and not having Jesse. You watch the pick and rolls. You watch how teams were playing it. It was a little bit different, and I think it subtly hurt the chances of the Syracuse perimeter players getting good looks. But I say that, and I also admit that Cole Swider got some good looks in this game. Mm -hmm. Buddy even got his normal looks. They just weren't falling. And that was to be expected a little bit after going 14 for 19 in the last four games for Cole. It wasn't going to keep up to that degree. We kind of called that a little bit when we did the numbers podcast last week, Frank is maybe better defensively than Jesse though. I know it's only been one game and it wasn't against an elite interior team, 
but the way he rebounds is certainly better than Jesse. So there's yeah. some stuff that he does that is different from Jesse. And it's kind of funny because if you could, you know, give Frank some of his rebounding to Jesse and give Jesse some of Jesse's offense to Frank, then you'd probably have a more complete player. And the two of them make a great center. And I think you'd rather have Jesse, obviously, yeah. of the two because of his offense so far, because that is the big difference. When Frank gets the ball on offense, he's very quick to get rid of it, almost hot potato like a little bit. But he played really well. I'm not trying to knock him. His rebounding was great, and his defense is maybe even better than Jesse. I look at Frank, and we sort of hinted at this when the news of Jesse came out, but Frank is a more physical player. And and that's on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. When you think about it, he plays with power on the offensive end. And then on the other side, he he is just going to go out there, be a little bit more of a ferocious rebounder as well. And like you said, Jesse's more of a polished offensive player. He's got the better footwork than Frank. And I think you brought up something important there. He's quick to get rid of the ball. Frank's a quick decision maker. And I think that happens for better or for worse, too. Yeah. A lot of times what you'll see with big men, especially young big men, is they will get the ball, tuck their head down, go to the basket with purpose, and a lot of times it leads to something reckless, whether it's an offensive foul, a, a very tough contested layup opportunity, something of that sort. I noticed, too, Frank had this one play, I believe it was with Joe, where there was an entry pass quickly in to, to Frank in the post, and he quickly shoots it back out to Joe, and it leads to an open three. I, I really think that there is something untapped in Frank. And maybe it would happen if he was given more playing time. And I'm not saying he should have been necessarily given more playing time this year just because look at how Jesse's played. All right. It's tough to, yeah, to squeeze tough. both of those guys in. Um, but there's certainly something in Frank. And this is certainly a good sign for Syracuse, the future moving forward. But there's always the elephant in the room of is this Frank playing really well or is this an audition? Is this an audition for his next yeah. school? And, and it, listen, he, if he continues to play like this, he's going to find starter minutes somewhere else. Like it's the, the sad nature of, of the times we're in right now in college basketball. Right. I do think, you know, the question mark coming into this game was how good is Frank going to be? How much of, of a dip is there going to be from Jesse to Frank? I'm ready to say that that dip is maybe a little bit less than I thought, but the foul thing, I'm not going to overreact to just one game. I mean, on the season, he's averaging six fouls right. per 40 going into this game. He did a great job in the first game. I think he was cognizant of the fact that that's what everyone was talking about. Staying out of foul trouble is the key for him. There weren't a lot of fouls called in this game on either way, which has kind of been the nature of the season. BC, I expect him to have another really solid game on Saturday. Probably get a ton of rebounds. BC is physical, but mm -hmm. and that's the game where Jesse struggled and fouled out. But I still think he can hang with BC. And Frank the came question, in and played solid against bc too like, yeah he, that's another he's thing proven it right yeah. so you're totally right on that part the question mark for me is going to be once we get into the duke unc can he stay out of foul yeah. trouble and i'm not even knocking frank when i say that because i don't think jesse could have done that very well, well I either i don't even think the most foul conscious of centers is going to have a yeah, very right. good time of that either you're in a zone and you're going against Baycott and a uh, physical team in UNC or Duke, or even Notre Dame is going to be a challenge a little bit as well in that regard. So I guess what I'm saying is I was very impressed by Frank. I don't think this is more proof why to me, Jesse was never the team MVP. And again, it's not knocking Jesse because we're all aboard Jesse's improvement this year, but buddy's the team MVP. That's mm -hmm. pretty obvious. 
Frank played well, they can still win games without Jesse. It's just they're going to see a dip in the offensive production probably, and he's just got to stay on the court. It's the same conversation we have with Jesse. He's just got to stay out of foul trouble. Yeah, and it is worth noting, Brahma came in, ended up playing four minutes in this game, picked up three fouls, and I don't know how much run Brahma would have gotten if he didn't get into foul trouble, but it's going to be interesting with Brahma the rest of the year. It's yeah. that, that, I'll leave it at that. It's going to be interesting. I don't know if he's a capable of staying out of foul trouble and b what his health situation is. Is he being plunged into action because, hey, you're you're getting desperate at this point. You're you're losing bodies and it's something that Syracuse really hasn't had to deal with a whole heck of a lot over the past five seven years. Really, is is health of your starters. But, um, yeah, certainly something with Barama. I mean. The foul trouble is if he's going to get into foul trouble in, in limited minutes, then this team could really be screwed. Because listen, this is a, this is a one game sample of Frank, albeit a healthy thirty six minutes. He goes out there and yeah. plays like that's significant. That should not be left by the wayside there. But history and, and the statistics would tell you he's probably going to run into some foul trouble, and especially against the teams like you mentioned, the Dukes, Carolinas, Notre Dames. Even even like a, a Miami, might he might run into right. a little bit of foul trouble too. So, all right, we will get into the bench and some other notes from this game. Not a lot of bench production, which we will talk about. Also, some of the regression from guys like Cole Swider, Jimmy Beheim. We'll get into all of that in just a little bit. But hey, this is the time of the year where I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, and that is thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like you're not really making a resolution because you enjoy eating Bilt Bars. Have you ever tried the Puffs, too? If you haven't tried the Puffs, these may be the best-tasting protein bars of all time. They are marshmallowy, <laughs> and they come in great flavors as well. Um, they're fluffy, and they're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors, including yummy cinnamony churro, which is one of my favorite. The churro, churro anything, I'm there, yeah. all right? And when you put it into a built Bar with marshmallows, that's that's even double me there. Uh, banana cream pie as well, coconut marshmallow. Mm. They're so good. They're going to be your new favorites. And they're all covered in 100% chocolate. Most built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And the regular built Bars, they come in a number of variety of flavors as well, whether it's mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, the white chocolate cookies and cream as well. They're all delicious, and they've got new flavors coming out all the time. So go to BuiltBar.com, rather go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So the bench and Cole Swider, a lot to kind of take away here from the negative side of things as well. So starting with the bench. 14 total minutes. Barama goes out there for four. We mentioned he picked up the three fouls. Let's say Barama stays moderately out of foul trouble in this game. How how many minutes do you think he racks up? Maybe 10 minutes because Frank was playing well. Um, I guess Frank was somewhat in foul trouble in the first half, but not ever really a huge issue. Like he never got to that third foul. Mm -hmm. My hope with Barama is that you get a full week of practice now and it comes at a good time, this idle week to sort of rest up. And that's the whole conversation I think we're going to get into here is Syracuse look tired at the end of this game. And part of it is they're just relying way too much on their starters. And that's not sustainable when we enter this stretch we're about to enter. Now you do get some time off to rest up and BC's one thing, but after that, 
it's no rest like and really tough teams. So five of nine, I think is the total five games in nine mm-hmm. days. You're going to need to dip into the bench more. I expect Barama to probably bounce back against BC, similar to the conversation I had about Frank, but also I say that and, you know, they took Jesse out of the game somewhat BC did. So it's not like it's a totally easy matchup, maybe to the degree BC was in the past. Yeah, you're right with this upcoming stretch. I'm trying to pin a percentage on how many minutes the bench is going to need to play over that nine game stretch because you're going to be playing a, an NBA type of schedule and who knows yeah. what's on the horizon from an injury standpoint too, from playing all these guys, all these minutes and, in this really condensed stretch of games to that are very important for this Syracuse team. So there's so many different avenues that this thing could go, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to how much success can the bench have? And I'm not saying the bench has to go out there and you need to go out there and get 20 bench points a night, because I don't think that's necessarily true. I think you just need to take some of the burden off the starters. You may need the bench to even go out there and win you a a close game at, at a time. And I'm not saying the bench has to go out there and Samir has to have 15 and six or something like that, but he may have to get you a critical bucket at a certain point. He may have to help out in, in lieu of Joe Girard if he gets in foul trouble or something like that. You're going to need contributions from these guys. And, I mean, the Benny conversation here, frustrating because that was one of those right. moments where he could have built a lot of confidence. He has a dunk yes. and he misses it. And I see you drop your head right there. And, like, that's the way that every Syracuse fan should feel because right. – that, that's one of the easy ones. That's one of the inexcusable ones, an open dunk, and, and you just botch it. That cannot happen. It doesn't matter where your confidence level is. That's a gimme. That, that, there's no excuse around that. That play needs to be executed, and it sucks that it's happening this way for Benny, but he's got to be a, a factor down the stretch here because they're going to need him during this stretch. Yeah, and – I do. I would like to say credit to the coaching staff for basically drawing that play up for Benny Williams. That's the exact type of play. Touches. Yeah, that's the exact type of play we've been talking about to get him going. That type of moment, and it'd be even bigger if it came in the dome, of course. But if he makes that dunk, I think he plays twelve, fifteen good minutes. That's the unfortunate thing. It's between the years. Yeah, I'm not saying that dunk is the the turning point in his season. Like the turning point needed to happen a while ago. Sure, if we're being honest, but. You're right. Like those are sort of the building block moments that you look for. And and you're looking at a guy who obviously is not going to make an all freshman team. So what kind of barometers are you setting here for not even what can be a successful season at this point, but what can you salvage at this point from the season? What kind of positives can you look for or or what kind of things can you look back on and tape? And I, I really do think the coaching staff is trying to get him involved. They are doing all they can, but At this point, and I'm not saying this is the end of the kid's career by any stretch of the imagination because he could totally bounce back next year. There was something great written in Noon's Magician about freshmen that struggled for Syracuse in the past and came out and rebounded. Like I would actually say that is probably the favorite in the clubhouse is that he improves and has a good season next year. But at this point, you're looking for the little moments. and, And in the case of that play right there, I mean, that's the epitome of you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. That was served up on a platter for him, and he just missed the dunk. It it was, and he's like the only guy on our team that can actually go up and catch a lob and play above the rim and that nature. So it's frustrating. They did the right play. Everything went well. If he had made it, we're having a totally different conversation today, I think, because I think it gives him the confidence to continue to play well. I was a little bummed 
after he had the miscommunication on the very quick five second call when Buddy was trying to inbound it, it looked like he ran the wrong way. And Jim Beheim pulls him over, he chews him out. He only played three minutes, so it's tough to say. And he did miss that dunk. And then that's inexcusable to mess up the inbounds play if it, if that is what happened. But it did feel like he kind of had a spring in his step on defense, and he was jumping and playing a little with a little bit more energy in that game. And I felt like it was a little bit too quick to pull him because why why even play him three minutes? It's kind of like the conversation we yeah. had with Barama. At least put him out there for six, seven minutes. And that's what we started talking about with him a couple of weeks ago, that Jim Beheim was starting to do that a little bit more. And I like to see it. And it still wasn't producing results. And that's more on Benny then. But this game, the bench just got so gassed. Or sorry, the starters got so gassed at the end. Like Cole Swider does go 0 for 5. He missed shots, but there was one three he took at the end of the game. It came up like a foot short, and it just screamed to me, that guy is exhausted taking that three, and we can't have that going forward. Yeah, and Cole's the only guy who plays 40 minutes in this game too, and he's been playing a lot of – he's been logging a lot of heavy minutes lately, and you're getting into that that grinder of, this, of the point of the season where you're hitting mid-February, and you're going to start to see some tired legs start to appear – and when you play a short rotation like Syracuse has all season long, and now on top of that, you're, you're down one of your starters who was logging about 30 minutes for you. Like, it's tough. It's tough yeah. to find that extra gear this late in the season. And listen, I, these games are going to happen for Cole. Like, he's not going to go out there and shoot 75% from three every single game. It's just not feasible. We knew this, but... 0 for 5 is a little disheartening. I think if we saw maybe like a 1 for 5 and some of those efficiency numbers bumped up a little bit more, but he did find some other good in this game. I mean, he had the 10 rebounds, and that's something yeah. that we've talked about a lot where if a player is struggling in their major strength, nobody tries to find a way to try to impact the game in other ways more than Cole Swider on this team, and he did that again, and that's sort of the things you're looking for. Um, it, it's one of our biggest gripes with Joe is when he's not scoring the ball, what is he going to bring for you? Um, even I think something similar can be said about Buddy. But Cole, yeah. I mean, you got to give him credit. He goes out there and gets the 10 rebounds on a, a struggling offensive night. But this is a night that really this team couldn't afford to be struggling on because of the magnitude of this game. And I think that also gets into the question of why Benny Williams' run was so limited. This was a high-magnitude game for Syracuse. This was a very important game for them to try to build something here down the stretch. And if you won this game, you're probably looking at a, a different outlook for your season now. I mean, you're talking about a team that's 8-6 and six in the ACC, playing with moment, all the momentum in the world that you could possibly ask for after picking yeah. up a potential road win at Castle Coliseum against a, a Virginia Tech team that's getting better and better. This was a, a very important game, and th I think the team understood that. And for the offense to fall flat the way that it did, it's just it, it's disheartening to see. And you need to start picking up some of these wins because that was a quad one opportunity. My guess is Jim Beheim thought, okay, I gave Benny a chance here. He's not doing the things in practice that I'm. And I'm just trying to put myself in Jim Beheim's head. Maybe he's thinking this is our first or last game before a long break we will ride the starters because we really need this game. Mm -hmm. And then we get a break to have them rest up a little bit. But I feel like he just rode them too much because I'm not usually the guy that says, man, they look tired at the end of games. And I'm not usually the one that is, you know, throwing eggs at Bayheim for playing seven or eight guys. If it's the right seven guys, I'm cool with it because yeah. 
I do agree with him to an extent that a lot of other teams around the country do that. Now, there's no arguing that Syracuse plays the bench as little as anyone in America. That's just a fact. That's a stat that's mm-hmm. out there on Ken Palm, right? And it's been out there for years. So he's right and he's wrong in that regard because as much as other teams that are good don't go 8-9 deep at times, they also don't play the bench as little like, as Syracuse. Yeah, their bench still goes out there and gets some 17, 20 minutes. minutes. Like in, yeah. individual guys are playing 17, 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. So I see he was probably thinking our starters are a lot better than our bench right now. Even in the Louisville game, we gave the bench a shot. They didn't play well. They're negative plus minus in that stretch. I get all that, but also you got to know that this stretch coming up, your, your mindset has to change in that regard because Cole Swider just looked gassed in this game. And it wasn't just him, but there were several times where he was literally hands on his knees, like huffing and puffing. And the way he was shooting down the stretch, part of it is he's just got to make shots and he's got to be better. And that's kind of earlier in the game. But they didn't score for six minutes at the end of the game. And I think that was partially because they were tired. And I'm not usually the person that says the tiredness was a big factor. And that six minute stretch is something that, I mean, this team could have utilized to, I mean, you think about it, you chunk off in a six minute stretch. If you average a point a minute there, you're talking about a completely different game at the end. You're talking about a potential six point game and who knows what happens from there. All right. That's going to do it for us on this Virginia tech recap. We will be back tomorrow talking a little bit more. We can get into maybe some more bench thoughts as well. Also maybe some blueprint stuff for what to do, because this is a very critical stretch. Now the the five game stretch in a very condensed schedule, that is not going to be easy on these guys. So We'll dive into all of that and more. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the show, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you making us your first listen every single day. And we'll be back with you guys tomorrow.